All right, hey, you guys can be seated. You can hang on to it. You can hang on to it for right now. Well, yeah, throw it back. You earned a, uh, you get to hold on to, you get to start the game with a ball tonight since you caught it. I don't know how it started back there. Hey, um, since there's like three times the amount of people in here now than there were when I said this earlier, um, just I'll say it real quick. Um, we are having UNG's biggest ever game of dodgeball after the service tonight. It's going to be a ton of fun. Um, so here's what I want you to do. I want you right now to pull out your phone. I want you to think of one friend. And I want you to text that one friend, hey, 8.30, after Revive, Memorial Gym, dodgeball is going down. And it's going to be an awesome time. Um, just, to, just to reiterate, if you were one of those people who you found a, an envelope under your seat at the start of the service... Odd numbers means you get an extra life in tonight's game. Even numbers means that you get to start the game with a ball. Also, Parker, you can start the game with a ball since you caught the ball that I threw uh, just then. So um, all you'll do is go up to one of our referees, show them your number, or tell them your name is Parker, and uh, they'll get you set up with what you need for the game. That sound good? Awesome. And um, also, if you're afraid to get hit with a, do- a dodgeball, then just come and watch because the carnage, I mean, that's what I'm going for. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Um, hey, grab your Bibles if you would, and we will get started um, with tonight. Um, back in the year uh, 1979, a study was done by a Harvard University professor. Um, it's a, this, this was a professor of psychology. The name of this professor uh, was Ellen Langer. And Ellen Langer was investigating the relationship between the human body Uh, like the kind of the the physical outworkings of the human body and the human mind. And um, she led this study that came to later be known as the counterclockwise study. Let me tell you about this study. It's fascinating. So um, this professor took eight men that were in their 70s. So they were anywhere between 70, 79 years of age. And um, they took these men to a monastery in New Hampshire. This monastery had been converted to basically uh, not be a monastery at all anymore, but rather they had basically taken everything inside of the monastery and transformed it into the year 1959, 20 years in the past. So like everything from what was on the TVs to what uh, you like the, the things inside the house, like all the groceries that were inside the house, like every part of the house looked like the year 1959. And these, these men, these eight men in their 70s, were told, hey, when you step into this house, you are to act like it is the year 1959. And we're going to treat you like it's the year 1959. So uh, no one's helping you, like, you know, do all the things that you were um, having to do before. No one's going to help you, like, carry your luggage upstairs. Uh, no one is going to help you carry out daily tasks. And you're to act like it's 1959. So you're talking about, like, Current events. They, these guys would sit around and discuss, like, man, the first satellite that the United States sent up into space went up, you know, this year. And they would talk about, like, current sports, uh, sporting events and things like that, all from the year 1959. They were to fully immerse themselves in this year, 1959. It's fascinating. So they did this, and they, they, they did this for a total of about a week. All these men in their 70s. And the results were, like, staggering. So after a week of pretending that they were living 20 years in the past, basically uh, they were were, uh, immersing themselves in a time in which they were 20 years younger 
Let me tell you uh, some of the results. These men saw increases in physical strength, like they literally got stronger. They could lift more weight. Their walking got better. Their eyesight got better. Their posture improved. Their memory improved. And even their taste sensitivity improved. Like, it's a crazy study, right? And, and again, the point of this study was to show the relationship between the human body and the brain and like uh, the, the result, like to put in layman's terms that all of us, even myself, can understand is this, that your mind is a powerful thing. And we know that, right? Like, your mind is powerful. We, we know that because we look around in culture today and we realize that your mind, it can do a lot of good things, just like what we saw. But it can also get you into a lot of trouble. You guys realize, you guys realize that? Like, your, your, your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, like, all of that can get you into a lot of trouble. Like, all acts of evil that we see in our world today, they all started with just a single thought, a single feeling. Like, feelings of hate and bitterness and anger. And... and Different side of the same coin, uh, in the same way, like all acts of incredible kindness also started with a single feeling, a single thought, feelings of compassion and generosity. See, your feelings are powerful. And when it comes to feelings, the world has begun to get a lot of things wrong. We've been working through over the past few weeks uh, a sermon series that we're ending tonight. The sermon series that we've been working through is called Shifting Sand. We've been looking at what it looks like to build a life on the truth of God's word. You guys realize that you live in a culture that is trying to inundate you with lies? Like the culture that you live in wants you to do nothing more than to build your life on lies that uh, according to God's word, when storms come, when life gets difficult, the culture wants you to build your life on a foundation that cannot stand, a foundation of shifting sand. But as believers, we have the ability to build our life on the truth of God's word, a foundation that will never be shaken. And so we have been looking over the past few weeks at different lies from culture and, and kind of holding them up against the truth from God's word. So as we've been doing that, uh, I want to give us one last lie from culture this week. And the lie from culture that we're going to be discussing tonight is this, I am what I feel. I am what I feel. But the truth from God's word tonight is this. Just because I feel it doesn't mean it's true. Just because I feel it doesn't mean it's true. Again, there's a lot of confusion today surrounding our feelings. And if we don't know what to do with what we feel, we could make some costly mistakes. Do you guys know what I mean Like when I say that our feelings... If we don't know what to do with them, they can get us in a lot of trouble. Like, we have seen this all throughout uh, society today. Like, people have walked away from their faith because of their feelings. Because they don't feel like getting plugged into church. Because they don't feel like doing what's necessary to spend time in God's Word. They don't feel like investing their life in prayer. People live lives of homosexuality because they feel attracted to the same sex. Marriages end, like in divorce, because people feel like they no longer love the person that they got married to in the first place. 
I mean, if you don't know what to do with what you feel, it could lead to you making some costly mistakes. And so tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to look together at what God's Word says about what we feel. And you guys know, if you've been around Revive for any length of time, normally what we'll do when we open up God's Word is we're looking at one passage, and we're kind of walking through it verse by verse by verse. But tonight, we're going to kind of open the Bible as a whole, and and we're going to pick and choose some some different passages that provide an overall look at what the Bible says about what we feel. So it's going to look a little different tonight, but we're still, everything that we're talking about, uh, don't get me wrong, it comes from the truth of God's Word, because that is the foundation, the, the only foundation that we can build our life on. And the way that we're going to work through this tonight is we're going to ask two questions, two very simple questions. I'll give them to you before we even get started. Question number one, why do I feel what I feel? Why do I feel what I feel? And question number two, what do I do with what I feel? So why do I feel what I feel, and what do I do with what I feel? Um, If We're going to go ahead and start with with question number one, why do I feel what I feel? And if we're going to start there, we have to ask ourselves, where do our feelings come from? Like, where do the, the feelings that we have inside of us, where do they come from? Like, if we're going to answer the question, why do I feel what I feel? Well, we're going uh, to have to figure out where our feelings come from. And so tonight, I, I, like, I don't know if, you, if you've ever thought about that before, but, but it's a question that you should consider. Like, where do your feelings come from? Is it God? Like, does God put feelings and, and thoughts in, in your mind? Are your feelings just like a, a sum of all the interactions that you've had in, in your life? Like, are they a result of other people? Like, where do your feelings come from? Well, God's Word has something to say about that in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19, it says, As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. The heart reflects the real person. As a face is reflected in water, the heart reflects the real person. The the real person, like, like your feelings, everything that comes from the inside of you is all a direct reflection of what? Your heart. That, that's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27. Like ultimately everything that you feel, it comes from your heart. It comes from the deepest part of who you are. Now, there's some bad news that's attached to that. And, and the bad news is, is this. When we talk about our hearts, something that, that you just got to know about your hearts before we even get started is this, that your heart is wicked. Like all of us, we, we have a wicked heart. Like despite what Disney tells you or social media tells you, like you are anything but a good person. God's word says in the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 17, verse 9, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Like our hearts are wicked and our feelings are are nothing more than like a, a manifestation of, a reflection of our wicked heart. Like our hearts, everything that we feel, ultimately can be traced back to what's going on deep down inside of us, our, our wicked and sinful hearts. And the reason that we say that our hearts are wicked is because of sin. Because of sin. Like, like since Adam and Eve made the decision to disobey God, we all come into this world with our hearts 
hardwired to disobey God. Each and every one of us. And, and like you guys, you, you know that. Like you know that if left to your own devices, like you do not drift towards the things of God, right? Like all of us are kind of like, uh, if you've ever driven a car that's out of balance, like the, the tires are just kind of out of alignment a little bit, and like you can, you can hold that wheel straight, and you can make that car go straight, but the minute that you take your hands off the wheel, it just starts to drift a little bit, and then it's off the road. Like that's kind of a picture of all of us. Like our hearts come hardwired to disobey God because of sin. Your feelings are nothing more than a product of your sinful heart. And here's the thing. Because of that, your feelings can't be trusted. Your feelings can't be trusted. You can think about it this way. Your feelings are a gauge, not a guide. Your feelings are a gauge, not a guide. You guys know what a gauge is? Like, you've all interacted with some sort of a gauge before. Uh, a gauge is like the speedometer on your car. When you drive, it tells you how fast you're going. That's a gauge. It's your, your fuel tank, which is, for many of you, probably way closer to the E than the F, right? Uh, so, so you've all interacted with a gauge before. What does a gauge do? A gauge simply gives you information. It doesn't tell you where to go. Your feelings are a gauge, not a guide. You can think of it like this. Your feelings are a compass, not a map. They're a compass, not a map. Here's what I mean. If I were to give you a compass, and I were to say, hey, take this compass and find your way to, let's say, like Detroit, Michigan. All right, here's a compass. Find your way to Detroit, Michigan. Odds are, if that's all you had to use, you're never going to find your, like you wouldn't even touch Michigan, much less Detroit. Because that's a, like a compass is a tool that is used for nothing more than giving you information, than telling you what direction you're pointed. Your feelings are a gauge, not a guide. They're a compass, not a map. They give you information, but your feelings don't tell you where to go. Does that make sense? They're a compass, not a map. So what does that tell us about our feelings? Your feelings are real. They're just not reliable. It's back to the truth that we found in, uh, at the beginning, the one that we said, just because you feel it doesn't mean that it's true. See, culture wants to tell you that your feelings, uh, they're, they're a guide. Culture wants to tell you that your feelings tell you where to go. Uh, culture wants to tell you that, hey, wh whatever it is that you feel on the inside of you, that's true of you, and so you should act on it. And this is a lie that has become especially true regarding sexuality. Culture says, you feel attracted to the same sex? Well, that's just who you are. That's just how you were made. So just act on it. Your feelings, they're a guide. They tell you where to go. They tell you what to do. Culture wants to tell you, oh, you, you feel like you don't identify with your biological gender? Well, then that must be true of you. The culture wants to tell you that your feelings are a guide, that they tell you where to go. Some people would, would even claim, like they'd look at their feelings and they'd go, oh, well, if, if I feel that, then that must be like how God made me. That, that's got to be true of me. It's just how God has, has wired me, and that's, that could not be further from the truth. Those things don't come from God. God does not make people gay. God does not make people transgender. Uh, just like any other sin, those are temptations that come from our sin nature, right? Th those come from our, our wicked heart inside of us. They're just feelings that are a representation of, a reflection of 
our sinful heart. And if you struggle with those temptations, like if you, if you walked in here tonight and you've, you've struggled with that, you are, I, I want you to hear me say this. You are not broken. You're not. You're, you're not broken. You are not any different than the person who walked in here struggling with, with sexual sin of the opposite sex. Like all, all of these struggles, all of these temptations are, are just a reflection of our sinful heart inside of us. So uh, ultimately, all of this can be traced back to the truth that your feelings, they're a gauge, not a guide. They're real, they're just not reliable. They give you information, they just don't tell you where to go. So go back to that, like, that, that compass illustration that I gave you. If I gave you a compass and I said, find your way to Detroit, Michigan. With just a compass, you're not finding your way anywhere close to that. Because it's just a gauge. But if I gave you a compass, and then I gave you a map. If I gave you a way to see what direction you're pointed... And then I gave you something that could tell which direction you need to be pointed. Well, now you can navigate life. See, in order to navigate this life, we need a gauge. Like your feelings, they're necessary. But you also need a guide. You need something to give you information, but you also need someone to show you where to go. And, and the good news is, is that... If you are a follower of Jesus, if you've made the decision uh, to trust Jesus for salvation, God has put his spirit in your heart, and we have a trustworthy God in the Holy Spirit living inside of us. See, see, used to, before you knew Jesus, all you could do is follow your feelings. Like, that's all any of us could do. All we had is a gauge. All we had is a compass to just give us some information. And many of us, uh, like all we could do is just trust those. Just trust our feelings. Trust what is going on deep down inside of us. But when Jesus changes us from the inside out, when he gives us a new heart, when he puts his spirit inside of us, the Bible says used to, you were a slave to that sinful heart. Used to, all you could do was follow that sinful heart. But praise the Lord, that sinful heart no longer has any power over you if you were a follower of Jesus. So where you used to be a slave to sin, now you can make the decision to be guided by the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's good news. Like, like not only do we have a gauge in our feelings, but we also have a guide in Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. Those two things, our feelings, like we'll, we'll put it this way, our old nature and our new nature, those two things are in constant tension. And that's the struggle of the Christian life. That's that struggle you, you feel every day as a follower of Jesus. Romans 8 would call that struggle, uh, the, those two things that are at tension, it, it would call those two things the flesh and the spirit. The flesh and the spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 6, it says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So we have two things inside of us that are, at const, that are at a constant tension if we're followers of Jesus. You have the spirit, your new nature, that God has put inside of you that's trying to tell you where to go, and then you have your old nature, your flesh. And it's our job as followers of Jesus to, to not follow the, the flesh, the old nature inside of us, not to be governed by, led by our feelings, but to trust our, our, the spirit inside of us no matter what our feelings have to say. Our job is to use our feelings as a gauge 
and let Jesus be our guide. But how do we do that? Well, that leads us to our second question. We, we asked, why do I feel what I feel? And the answer to that is, well, the reason that you feel what you feel is because ultimately, deep down, each and every one of us are wicked sinners, and, and our heart is hardwired to disobey God. That's why you feel what you feel. But question number two, what do I do with what I feel? Like, I've got these, these thoughts, these feelings inside of me. Like, we have all, let's just be transparent. We have all had these thoughts that, like, if your thoughts, your feelings were to be broadcasted up on these screens in front of this room, you would never show your face at University of North Georgia again, right? I know that's true of me, you know, that feeling that you're going to claw that girl's eyes out if you, get, if you see her again. Like, those feelings, if they were broadcasted up on these screens, we've all got those feelings. But what do we do with what we feel? We know where they come from, but what do we do with what we feel? Well, the world's answer to this question, we've already said, is to trust your feelings. Trust your feelings. That's what the world wants to say. Do you guys know there is a specific uh, type of person that trusts their feelings, that, are, that is like governed by their feelings? Any guesses as to what type of person that might be? I'll give you a hint. I just had one. It's kids, right? Like if you've ever, anybody ever babysat before, nannied, right? Like, you know, if you've been around kids for any length of time, that that is the type of person that is governed by what they feel. Like, if they feel it, it's got to be true, so I'm going to act on it. Here's how you know. Like, if a kid is, is angry, they just smack you. They don't care. If they want something, they're going to take it. If they decide that, like, they want to take their, their shoes and socks off, put them in the toilet and flush it, that's what they'll do, right? Because kids... Like, ultimately, it's, what do I feel? Let me act on it. They just trust their feelings. But today, we see a bunch of grown adults with that same mindset. I feel like sleeping around, so I do. I don't feel like church is helpful to me, so I don't go. I feel like losing my temper and blowing up at this person because they've made life difficult to, uh, for me, so I do. I don't feel like respecting my parents because I think I know better than them, so I don't. The enemy loves it because the flesh is winning. We talked about the old and the new nature. Ephesians chapter 4 has a lot to say about that. These verses will pop up on the screen. Let me read them for us. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. That's like a great summary of everything that we have just said. Like, like you used to have an old nature that could do nothing to bring glory to God, to follow his, his laws. You used to have an old nature, but now our job is to put on our new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The Bible says, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You know what that passage is saying? That passage is saying, when you have feelings that you don't know what to do with, what do you do with what you feel? You test your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. Test your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. Again, trusting your feelings is what kids do. Test your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. 
It is your job as a follower of Jesus to determine if what you feel is a result of your new nature or your old nature. Like every thought, every, every attitude, every feeling that comes through your heart, your head, like it is your job to determine, is this a, is, is this a reflection of my new nature or is this a reflection of my old nature? Because Ephesians chapter 4, what we just read, says put on the new nature. Let the Spirit do the work of bringing that new nature to work in and through you. So how do we do that? How do I decide? Like, how do I decide if what I'm feeling is a result of my old nature or my new nature? We test our feelings. We don't trust our feelings. We test our feelings. And how do we test our feelings? We use the truth of God's word to test our feelings. We use the truth of God's word to test our feelings. So here's what that looks like. You take what you feel and you hold it up. And then you take God's word and you hold it up next to what you feel. And if those two things line up, well, then that feeling that you have is a result of your new nature and it can be trusted. But if those two things don't line up, what you don't do is try to make yourself feel different. Because that's, that could be really difficult. What you do is despite what you feel, you, you follow the truth in God's word. So, so practically speaking, what, what does that look like? Well, let's just say, uh, put, put ourselves in a scenario that like many college students might face, right? Okay, I, I, like let's say that you feel attracted uh, to a person that is not a believer, like doesn't go to church, not a believer, pr- they're proud to say it. Um, you feel attracted to that person, you're like, you know what, that could, be the, that could be the one, right? Well, let's take that feeling, and then let's hold it up against God's Word. Let's look at that feeling, and then let, let's look at what God's Word has to say. And if you do that, you'll find in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, God's Word says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, So despite what you feel, you're going to have to make a decision that goes against what you feel. It doesn't mean that you you have to try to change your feelings. That'll come uh, as you become more and more sensitive to the Spirit, as as you follow the Spirit more and more in your life. So you act in a a way that's contrary to what you feel. Let's, Let's keep on going. Let's say like, okay, I'm feeling unloved, alone. I'm feeling unworthy. Is that true? Well, let's take that feeling and let's hold it up against God's word and let's compare the two. See, God's word says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship. Like, literally, that word translates to masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Take what you feel, hold it up against the truth of God's word, if it lines up, those feelings can be trusted. If it doesn't, you need to act in a way that goes against what you feel. I mean, let's look at another one. Like, let's say, we've mentioned it before, like, let's say, okay, the feeling is you feel attracted to the same sex. Let's hold that up. Let's look at what God's word has to say. You'll find in Genesis chapter 2, all the way back at the beginning of scripture, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. You take what you feel, you take God's word, you hold those two things up uh, next to one another, and you say, do they match up? If so, your feelings can be trusted. But we always test our feelings before we trust 
our feelings. You, you might say, well, I, I feel like I can surround myself with bad influences, but not be influenced by them. Again, God's word, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Like literally, y'all, what you will see if you put this into practice, take what you feel, take God's word, hold those two things up, see if they match up. What you will find is that God's word speaks into every aspect of your life. Like there is no part of life that God's word does not speak directly into. There's not. And as the, the amazing thing is that as you take what you feel and as you take God's word and you hold those two things up and you test your feelings, what will happen is your mind will become more and more sensitive to the spirit. It doesn't mean that you'll never be tempted again. It just means that when you're tempted, that little by little, the voice of your flesh will begin to grow quieter and quieter, little by little by little. And the voice of the Spirit in your life will grow louder and louder. But that takes you testing your feelings, your your thoughts. It takes you constantly looking inside of you and going, is this a result of my new nature or is this a result of my old nature? It's the constant tension that we face as Christians every day. But here's the thing. This This is awesome. Like the gospel is so good in that we don't have to fight this battle on our own. Like, praise the Lord that we are not left uh, to just handle this Christian journey on our own. Like, praise the Lord that the power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit. Like, that is such good news that we don't have to fight this battle on our own. And if you've made the decision to trust in Jesus... The spirit that raised him from the dead is on the inside of you, that you have a trustworthy God in Jesus. The question is, will you follow his voice? Will you follow his voice? At this time, I want to invite the band to to come back out. So you might be asking, man, okay, that's kind of a short, sweet little uh, idea there, but what do I, what do, I do with it? Like, it's, it's good in theory, but, but where do I go from here? Where do I go from here? Well, first of all, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you cannot walk by the Spirit. You can't. And the reason for that is because the Spirit, if you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is not inside of you. Because that happens when you make the decision to give your life to Jesus. And so at this point, if you've not made the decision to follow Jesus, unfortunately, you are still a slave to that sinful heart. Like all you can do, everything that comes out of your life, every action you take is going to be a result of that sinful heart. Because God's word says before Jesus, we're all a slave to sin. And just because you do like good things, like things that the world might look at and go, man, they're, they're, they're such a good person. Like just because you do good things and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, like it, it doesn't mean that you know him just because you do good things. It doesn't. Because even good things done from, even good things done from the wrong heart are not good things. It all goes back to your motive. Like before Jesus, we are a slave to that sinful heart. And so tonight, what you need is a new heart. And that only comes through making the decision to put your faith in Jesus. And so tonight, that's the decision that some of you need to make. 
Uh, but then there's others in the room tonight that you've already made the decision to follow Jesus. But you've been allowing yourself to be led by your feelings for far too long. You've been allowing your feelings to be the thing that governs everything about your life. You've just been trying to find your way with a compass. And tonight, you need to make the, the decision, really, to just spend some time with the Lord and commit to living no longer by that old nature, but, but by your new nature that he, he gave you uh, through sending his son to die in your place. And so many of you tonight, the step that you need to take is, uh, is to spend some time with Jesus and to commit to living by that new nature. I'll tell you this. Tonight, if, if you make that decision to, to spend some time uh, with Jesus, make that commitment, or to trust in Jesus for the very first time, what you'll see is that when you begin to walk by the Spirit, you'll see that there's far less regret. You'll see that uh, there's far less like, oh man, I would do anything to take that back. There, there is, there's far less, oh, I, I hope no one finds out. All, the, all of that goes away. Like there's so much more life, so much more freedom, so much more fulfillment. Only by walking by the Spirit. By taking what you feel. By holding it up against the truth of God's word and, and, and asking the question, do these things match up? And this only happens when we choose the spirit over the flesh. And again, this is, a, this is a battle we'll fight every single day, but praise the Lord, it's not a battle we have to fight on our own. Like, praise the Lord for the good news of the gospel. That when Jesus saves us, he doesn't just leave us to fight on our own, but he gives us the same power inside of us that raised him from the dead. Like this is incredible news that each and every one of us get an opportunity to take hold of tonight. So what I want to invite you guys to do is stand. And um, I want to pray that this would be true of us. I, I want to pray that we would be a people that make the decision to, to live life based on our new nature, not our old nature, that we would follow uh, the, the Spirit over the flesh. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. And um, God, we are so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for, um, Lord, truth. God, thank you that uh, in a culture that claims uh, to know truth, God, thank you that uh, we know the ultimate source of truth. Um, God, thank you that you tell us that you are the truth, that you are the way, that you are the life. And, and Father, I, I pray uh, that that would be a reality that every single person in this room comes to grips with tonight. Um, God, we've talked about some hard things over the course of this, of this sermon series. Uh, we've talked about things that uh, are really controversial. Uh, we've talked about things that uh, are not necessarily politically correct. Um, but God, all the things that we've talked about, they come from your word. And so, Lord, I pray that um, these students, that they would build their life on the truth that's found in your word. Um, God, that you would guide them every step of their life. And, and Father, that they would make much of you, no matter, no matter what it looks like from the outside. God, no matter how popular the decision is, I pray that in every aspect of their life, that they would take a stand for you because their life is built on the truth of your word. Lord, we love you, 
And, and God, we're so thankful um, for, for all that you do for us. Thank you most of all for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.